at second, top of the ninth. Two nothing Twins. The 0-2 to Varsho. Swing and a miss. That will finish the ball game, and the Minnesota Twins start to pour out of the dugout, completing the shutout victory over the Blue Jays and sweeping Toronto two games straight in the best of three. For the first time since 1991, the Twins have clinched a series here in the Twin Cities. The Blue Jays are left stunned in disbelief. Many leaning on the top rail of the third base dugout, watching the celebration of the Twins continue off the third base side of the mound. They're stunned. I'm stunned. Maybe I shouldn't be. Fan Morning Show, Sportsnet 590, The Fan, Ben Ennis, Brent Cunning. Holy cow, Brent. We have a lot to get to in the next four hours as we dissect a baseball game, a series, a season, an offseason for the Toronto Blue Jays after they're swept away in Minnesota. 2 nothing loss yesterday feels like four hours might not be enough for the comeuppance that are that are coming here I mean obviously there's a million different angles to to get into Uh, I didn't notice anybody doing performative I'm gonna stay on the field and watch this last night Mm -hmm. I don't know if we were we were too bogged down in other things to uh to have checked that out but man what a way what a way for it to end obviously there were a lot of stunning things but I think the biggest kind of takeaway for me is Aside from the thing that happened earlier in the game, I am not remotely surprised that it looked that way for the Toronto Blue Jays. Yeah, I, I'm not. And if you were you were putting together a a script for the bingo card, yeah, the bingo card. If you were putting together a script, if you were going to force the actions to represent a baseball team that we saw for six months during the regular season, it, it would be pretty close to what we saw. In these 18 innings, so there's losing a playoff series, which is it was never going to end well. There was never going to be positive discussions if the Blue Jays lost this series. But there's losing a playoff series, and then there's losing a playoff series like they did. Blue Jays won run in the two games, in the 18 innings. They go three for 14 with runners in scoring position. They had just one extra base hit. Notably, neither team had an extra base hit yesterday. Um... They make a pair of outs on the bases in the two games that they played. None more egregious and glaring, which is going to take up a lot of the airtime today uh-huh. than the Vladimir Guerrero Jr. pickoff of second bases. He becomes the first Blue Jays player in the postseason to ever be picked off second base. The first baseball player to be picked off second base in the postseason since 2017. We always said he'd make history. He did that. Not like that. And then... It's one thing to lose a playoff game in which your game two starter looks like he's on the verge of having a personally great, great outing, Yep. maybe one of the greatest of his career, and he's not allowed to finish the job, which is, it feels like where we have to start here, Brent, because it is true. It's impossible to go anywhere else. And we will go other places. (laughs) And again, the, the Vlad pickoff at second base is, it's, occupying a big portion of my brain <laughs> this morning. And it is also true that it it doesn't really matter if you don't score a run, which I, I think comes back to the Vladimir Guerrero Jr. situation. But Jose Barrios left the game when it was tied. He departed, and moments later, it was no longer tied. So let's reset the scene here. He's a former top 10 
Cy Young Award finalist, right? Like we think about him as kind of a middling starting pitcher, or at mm -hmm. least some people do because of the season he had a year ago, which was his worst by far in his long career in the major leagues of baseball. But this is a guy that was an opening day starter mm -hmm. for the Minnesota Twins before he arrived in Toronto, was the prize of the trade deadline a couple of years ago when the Blue Jays give up two of their top prospects to go out and get him and sign him to a seven-year extension. He was dominating. Mm -hmm. This is a, a matchup between he and a guy in Sonny Gray who was a top three American League pitcher as far as ERA is concerned, and he was matching him pitch for pitch. And if you're just going on aesthetic, like look better than Sonny Gray. And yes, did he did he walk Royce Lewis in the fourth inning? He sure did. Were there a bunch of lefties coming up? There sure were. There's no way you can you can outline an argument to me that you say Kikuchi had a better chance of success and keeping that game scoreless in the fourth inning than Jose freaking Barrios. No, there's no way you can say that. Clearly, this was premeditated. I don't think anybody can look at the way it played out last night and say anything else that it was premeditated. And it is fine to go into a game with a plan. You can even go into a game with a plan that I hate. And boy, do I hate that plan. You're allowed to do that. But if you're going to be a planner, and I'm not one, but I've talked to planners in my life, and mm. they've told me, you have to make other plans. You can't make just the one plan of like, okay, everything's going to go perfectly with my brilliant plan. No, you have to look at other factors. Like, I don't know, Jose Barrios turning himself into the best possible version of himself. The other part of it that's so frustrating, and I know this is a little anecdotal, a little bit hard to, or it's not hard to quantify, but this is just what sticks in my brain. You've seen him have great outing against the Twins. I was there, and part of this is like, it's coloring my brain because I was literally sitting in the booth. So it's impossible to have a better seat of it carved up that team. There is something that lights for him. And guess what? Even if you don't believe in all that fuzzy, wuzzy, whatever, he just open your eyes and watch what he looked like. He was dominating. And for him to come out of that game in that spot, I mean, for it to be Kikuchi, I can understand the thinking, but he's not a reliever. Why would he be good coming in in that spot? There's so many ways we can go with this, Ben. Man, it's just infuriating that the season ends that way. Yeah, and it, and the process I hated. The result could have been better, and I could still hate the process. And certainly if the Blue Jays win the baseball game, it's less of a discussion than it, them losing the baseball game and the only runs being scored in the, the inning in which they lifted the guy who was <sighs> dominating the baseball game. I hated the process. And I, I understand this is the, the way baseball is is so... It's it's we it's talked a, about this with the Depoto thing yesterday. It's a wash with numbers and it's and it's a wash with things that are not meant to entertain but are meant to win baseball games. But winning a baseball game is the most entertaining thing, right? I could understand it if Yusei Kikuchi was like maybe not Yusei Kikuchi. Like maybe honestly, I could even get behind the idea that because you wanted those lefties out of the game in that moment, the lefty bats mm -hmm. for the Minnesota Twins that have severe right-left splits, if you go to one of your dominant lefties, mm -hmm. which I know Yusei Kikuchi has been at times, not recently. Yusei Kikuchi, in the month of September, had an ERA over five. Yusei Kikuchi, in his entire career, as a reliever, has an ERA of 491 and a whip of almost one and a half. 
It's Yusei freaking Kikuchi, who resurrected himself this season. Could not have been worse last year. No. Eventually played his way out of the rotation. There were legitimate conversations last season about, hey, is this just a sunk cost? Mm -hmm. Do you have to look to offload this in any way, shape, or form, any fashion you can? And there was talk last season about the Mets maybe being able to to swallow if anybody could his contract. And you might have to slap a young player to it. But, okay, you made a decision with Yusei Kikuchi. It didn't work out. It's time to just accept your, your mistake and move on. He wasn't that this year. He was a huge part of this Blue Jays rotation from the word go. Second half of the season, he was one of the best starters in Major League Baseball for a month or so. Not recently. And, again, you could have used him all season long as a, as a starter. He was a valuable part of this rotation. But the idea that he is he's some automatic guarantee lockdown uh, pitcher, reliever, left-hander coming out of the bullpen in a game that you have to win, in a game in which you might have to try and win one to nothing. You may have to take this thing scoreless into extra innings and find a way to score a run against a very good pitching Minnesota Twins team. The idea that it was Yusei Kikuchi that you threw Jose Barrios overboard for is part of the maddening thing for me. I know these guys came from Cleveland, but... They know he's not Andrew Miller, right? Are they apparently not? No, I guess not. Oh man, we did. We, you know what? Maybe our fault. We talked about it. Of oh boy, remember how valuable that Andrew Miller type, the lefty who can come in and give you a couple innings, and he's a high leverage guy, but he can also eat some innings for you. He's not that. The other part I cannot begin to wrap my head around for this is let's say. And obviously, it's not the case because they lost yesterday. But let's say. That's the black box. That's the recipe of Kikuchi comes in and he sure. flips everybody over. What were you going to do in game three? What was the play? He, he's not coming in again to pitch a bulk of innings. You're going to have to, at some point, take him out. You're going to need to burn a Mesa, a Cabrera. And I understand the whole point is living to fight another day. But if Barrios was as good as he is, you're never going to have like. Not that Bassett is incapable of doing that, but to bank on Bassett looking like that is a it's a stretch for Chris Bassett as good as he has been lately. So what was the plan for game three? If that's the only way you could envision winning that ball game yesterday with the second best of your starters on the mound, what was the plan beyond that? That's the other part I can't wrap my head around. If that's the only way they can envision yeah. winning this thing, then what they're just gonna say, we did it, we won a game and punt. Like it. It's nuts. Can I, uh, let's acknowledge something. Jose Barrios okay. has not been generally good in his career against left-handed hitters. Mm -hmm. Not nearly to the degree at which he has been good against right-handed hitters. Mm -hmm. that's, that's just a fact. The, the guys had, true. Yeah, yep. he, he's had severe splits over the course of his career. Last year, I mean, part of the big problem for him were left-handed hitters. This season... It's been less so. He's been able to mitigate the damage, but he's gone through stretches of time, including August this year, where he really struggled against left-handed hitters. Jose Barrios didn't look like a guy that was going to struggle against anybody no. yesterday. And the clear comparison, right? Like, whenever that thing happens because he's, he's, he's patient zero is... The Blake Snell, mm -hmm. Kevin Cash situation in 2020, which let's bring you back to that moment. That's game six of the World Series, a closeout game for the Los Angeles Dodgers in which Blake Snell 
who, uh, just like Jose Barrios, is a guy that at his best can be one of the best pitchers in mm -hmm. Major League Baseball, was throwing a one-hitter at the time. And mm -hmm. this was the sixth inning. And it, one, it was in the sixth inning, not the fourth. Yes. And two, the guy that came out of the bullpen while he was having a bit of a rough postseason was a guy, Nick Anderson, who was one of the best relievers in baseball throughout the course of that regular season with an ERA under one. It's not Nick Anderson. No. It's not Felix Bautista. No. It's not Jordan Romano. It's not Jordan Hicks. It's not Genesis Cabrera. Mm -hmm. It's not even Tim Mesa. It's Yusei Kikuchi coming out of the bullpen in the fourth inning for Jose Barrios. And I, I we're going to, you know, maybe now is a good time to play the, the John Schneider stuff um, because I, I, the next conversation mm -hmm. I want to have about this topic in particular is how much autonomy John Schneider has mm -hmm. in an overall sense, yep. but certainly in that moment. Just, sorry, just quickly before we play the Schneider thing. Yeah. The other the other part of the Kevin Cash that cannot be overstated with the Blake Snell is that, and I don't want to disparage the Twins hitters because obviously they were, to a certain extent, dangerous in this series. Mm -hmm. It was Mookie Betts coming up and not, not even like, you know, old in the tooth Mookie Betts. This was three years ago, Mookie Betts in yeah. the absolute peak of his powers. Little different than what you were dealing with yesterday. I understand the Twins have dangerous bats, but those aren't the same things either. No, they're not. Um, so John Schneider, he's the man in the crosshairs today. And and he should because he's the manager. The baseball team has ultimate power, uh, is the face of the decision-making in-game for the Toronto Blue Jays, whether he's the guy that formulated the plan or not. Uh, here's some insight into what he was going through in the fourth inning yesterday. I know that, you know, the way that the game is played today, there are a lot of um, numbers involved and there are a lot of opinions involved. And I think that, you know, not only us as an organization or me as a manager or us as a staff, uh, we've showed throughout the course of the year that, you know, you trust people. You know, it's not cut and dry every single day. You know, it's tough. It, you know, Hosey was probably arguably the best, the best stuff he's had all year. It's tough to watch it unfold a little bit. But at the same time, you know, I think that when you're, when you're so diligent with your work, and um, and you trust the people that are that you're working with and the people that you're kind of going to battle with, you know, both on the field and, and off. Um, you just try to make the best decision that you can for the guys that are on the field to win. Okay. Um, it, it's hard for me to hear a man who, again, is the manager, is the, is the guy. The, the buck stops with John Schneider because ultimately, like, if he did want to go road, he's well within his rights to do that. That would probably cost him his job more than him following the script. Yeah, it's and like it, I think a red dot appears on his head if he tries to do that. Dude, yeah. if you want to talk about him saving his job by going rogue and doing something opposite to the organization's plan and you think that's going to save his job, I think the opposite is true. Even if they win the baseball game, even if they, they win the round and, and, and go out in the division series, if John Schneider isn't somebody that the front office can trust to do the things that they put him in position to do, he's out of here mm -hmm. because he has bosses. Yes. The buck does not actually no. stop with him. To to be the guy that's out there taking the ball from Jose Barrios physically and to say it's tough to watch it unfold is about as red flag as you need in regards to the manager's disagreement with the overall decision-making power or the overall game plan going into that game, going into the series. I don't know what else you need to hear. Like, the, the guy pretty clearly who spent 20 years as a minor league catcher, never once reaching 
the major league level as a player has had to scrap and claw for everything that he's been given throughout the course of now mm -hmm. his playing career and then finally gets his first kick at the can in the big chair last season and into this season where he has the burden of a potential World Series favorite and being in charge of that, to have him forced to do something counter to what he wants to do, it must be devastating to him. I, I, I don't feel necessarily sorry for him, right? but I will say that that clip it, it should give people some insight into what is happening inside John Schneider's brain right now. We all thought that watching it saying, okay, this is coming. The call is coming from inside the house, not the bullpen phone in the dugout, but another phone or a text from somewhere because that is clearly not the way Schneider wants to go about it. Watch it unfold. That's what I'm supposed to say. That's what you're supposed to say. Right. He went out there and did it. And again, was it his call? No. You could tell it was his call when, and maybe I'm overstating this for effect, but I think this is also kind of what happened when he didn't have it in him to have a conversation with Barrios about it mm -hmm. as he walked out right to the pen. There's no conversation to be had. There's not, I'm not even going to give the wiggle room of, but I'm, but I'm dealing here. Do we really have to do this? Because everyone involved knows mm -hmm. this is just how it has to be. And we should it should go without stating it doesn't have to be this way. They could have made another decision, but they is not John Schneider. And I'm with you. Sorry is probably too strong of a term for a person who understands exactly the when he interviewed for this job. It yeah. wasn't it wasn't as naked as hey, uh, your best pitcher is going to be absolutely dealing in a playoff game, and it's going to make no sense to take him out. But you're going to do that. But it was very much there is an organizational philosophy and. People are going to say the khakis, the Blue Jays. Sure, yell at the khakis, yell at the Blue Jays. We just did the thing with Depoto yesterday. This is a thing that is infecting the game of people who are mm -hmm. involved in it, but outside of it having an outsized impact. Yeah, th there's there's some organizations, I guess, that 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 treat this slightly differently, but for sure, I, I think generally everybody's on the same page here. Mm -hmm. If you think that you're going to go out. And I don't know, get a manager who's who's going to do something different in that situation. Well, one, that's that guy's not getting hired. No. OK, that, that's part of the decision making. You want a guy that's that's a, a leader of men, somebody that can can bring sanity to a clubhouse, keep everybody together for six months playing Major League Baseball every single day of the year. And somebody who's going to effectively communicate the plan to the public. That's part of it. And be a good soldier, mm -hmm. but also somebody who is not going to diverge from the plan. The plan is the plan. John Schneider knows what he signed up for. He was on board to some degree, at least at the outset, was on board mm -hmm. before that game. And could is it possible that they, he and whoever, I, I, I guess like it's hard to put a face to whoever's actually devising the plan because I have a very, just so we're clear, I have a very clear picture of this person. I don't know who they are, yeah. but I can easily picture. There's glasses, there's a pocket protector. And there's khakis. For sure there's khakis. Might even have two pairs on. Right. Because it's it's not John Schneider who's who's birthing the idea here. I don't even think it's Ross Atkins who's birthing this idea here. I think it's everybody. It's a lot closer to him than it is to John Schneider. I agree. I think it's a lot of people coming together to devise this thing, but I do think there's like a cabal of of khaki people 
And thank Kathy goodness Cabal. we're, we're, we're going to talk to Kevin Barker later on in the program. Thank goodness for Kevin Barker that he came up with the term khakis to describe the, the people that grind away in the analytics department of the Toronto Blue Jays. I'm wearing khaki shorts today, by the way, just I, in honor of them. I would love to, to know how that conversation went, whether it is truly a here's the plan, here's what we're going to do, or if there's any back and forth. Because there's no back and Once you get into the game, mm-hmm. there's That's there's done. no it's, – it's over. But if during the devising of the plan pregame – and I, I think Jose Barrios was well aware that he was coming out of the game. And I know people have jumped on the quote of him saying, I don't know. But that was in relation to a question about, hey, strategically, do you understand why Yusei Kikuchi came into the mm-hmm. game? He's like, I don't I don't know. Yeah. Good. And that's not on him to know. No. But he was clearly not totally in the dark here that it could be a, a short outing for him. I would like to know in these pregame conversations where it is Professor Khaki Ross Atkins, Mark Shapiro, and John Schneider coming together and, and talking it out and and thinking about possible scenarios, whether there is a little bit of a, a pushback, whether that's even allowed, whether John Schneider said, hey, how about the possibility of like Jose Barrios mm-hmm. looking like the guy that we handed a seven-year extension to, gave up two top prospects for dealing and, and putting this team on his back because he's capable of that. What about that? Like what happens in that instance and whether there was a, it doesn't matter. It, it, it does not matter. The, the point of this move will be to remove a couple of dangerous lefties from the lineup and better maximize our bullpen. Well, so I think the problem with that conversation, if it happened, and I'm sure it did, I think the problem with it is that the khakis need everything quantifiable. So John Schneider, baseballman, with right. God, God, he has great manager face. I know you can't you can't put a number he's, to like. He's sitting there going, well, yeah, you kind of can though because no, Jose no. Barrios was throwing hard. But this is the thing. I guarantee you, the parameter. Let's say I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt. Let's say they set out parameters for Jose Barrios' shoving. I think it was only Cy Young. I think if he actually <laughs> transformed himself into the ghost or hologram of Cy Young and took that form, that feels like the only bar. Because I think if you're if you're a person who's a khaki person, I think you at least look at the possibility of that happening, but you just put it to such a small window that it's impossible. So I think Schneider, that's probably even more part of the frustration going, oh my God, this is good enough. And it's not good enough. It's great. It's as good as you can expect from a pitcher in a postseason game, but it didn't reach the very narrow threshold or whatever. I, I no, do wonder he, how part he, of it. What part of it is that? You think it was just black and white? He's done. I, I because then why was Cabrera up? That's the was that just that, that was, was just a, playing it, possum. That was hey, if 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 he looks wobbly earlier on, mm-hmm. I do understand. Like in a baseball game in which you're not expecting to score many runs, yep, and they scored no runs after a game in which they scored one run, that you have to be on high alert for your starter night not having it and have a quick hook. Like, I I, I get that mm-hmm. entirely. So, yeah, early on in the game, Jose Barrios, while he's had a, a great bounce-back season, like, is capable of having a lousy start. And if that happens, your season's over. So I, I understand being on red alert mm-hmm. for that possibility. But once we reach the fourth inning... It's it's pretty clear to me that you're getting the best Jose Barrios maybe you've ever seen mm-hmm. as a member of of the Toronto Blue Jays and yeah I mean you talk about the bar being like Cy Young or or you know Randy Johnson is the guy that you know it comes to mind as one of the most dominant pitchers of of my era of, mm-hmm. of watching baseball he was very I, good 
I don't know how much further, like how, how much closer. Much more. You're right. Jose Barrios could be to that. He was damn good. So this is, we're going to come back around to this For topic sure. of conversation. Cause it's, it's despite the fact the Blue Jays didn't score any runs again, it, it doesn't matter what pitching decisions you're going to make. If you don't score any runs, you can't win a baseball game. You got to score at least one. And they didn't. Mm-hmm. They scored one total over the 18 innings against the Minnesota Twins. Um, it's 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 clearly a mind-bending situation for not just Blue Jays fans, but a lot of baseball fans and a, a lot of former baseball players, including Jonathan Papelbon, who's going to join us on uh, uh, after 8 o'clock on the program. So the other thing that is, you know, honestly, maybe even more mind-bending for me, Certainly more frustrating, more, um, I don't know, it's more tangible to me, mm. is the the top of the fifth when after a George Springer single, mm-hmm. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. walks, mm-hmm. is two out. They advance to second and third after yep. a wild pitch. You have the most dangerous hitter on this Blue Jays team of the plate, a guy that was like the obvious, when we did my position player, Confidence rankings yeah. yesterday. It's like there's not even a debate that Bobichet was mm-hmm. the, the very tippy top. Yep. Bobichet's at the plate. Blue Jays are down two nothing. Base hit ties the baseball game. He's doing a great job battling mm-hmm. Sonny Gray, who's top three in the American League in ERA, but clearly one not at his most dominant. Despite the fact that he didn't allow a run, he was allowing lots of traffic all, all over, over the place. A hundred percent. And is that? Near the the end of his tenure in the baseball game as well. For sure. Like running out of gas, maybe. This is a guy that only threw 100 pitches five times this season. Not somebody who's your prototypical workhorse. Mm. Crucial moment of not just the baseball game, but Bobichet's career. Yeah, Bobichet comes so. through with a base hit, which, you know, is only the American leader, American League leader in, in hits over the last three years. So he does the thing he's done the most in Major League Baseball over the last three years. Blue Jays tie the game, right? Yep. That's all he has to do. That's how it works, yeah. Instead, bat taken out of his hands because Vladimir Guerrero Jr. becomes the first Blue Jays player in postseason history to be picked off second base. Not just like the most important pickoff in Blue Jays postseason history. The only time it's ever happened. You know why it doesn't happen, Brent? Because it's indefensible. Well, because, first of all, pickoffs at second base don't generally happen during the course of a regular season. It does not happen, right? No. Nope. Not something that you no. often see. You see the the, the daylight play. Yeah. It's like, oh, that was close. Oh, I almost got him. <laughs> Why well, spun and fired. What a great throw. Boy, that, that's going to keep him honest. Uh, the opposition must be really freaked out by that. Mm-hmm. So close. It does not happen. Mm-hmm. In a normal game where they play 162 every day. They like even for the irrelevant franchises. How many times did it happened to the Pittsburgh Pirates during the course of this regular season? I guarantee you it's under five. During the regular season, it's a must-win playoff game with your best hitter at the plate and the tying run on second base, and you get picked off at second base. Unfreaking believable. It's the most brain-dead moment I have ever seen this team put forth in a postseason game. And there's a long, long history of postseason games for a franchise that has been around 
since 1977. Yeah, I mean, literally two of their best players ran into each other, leading to the collapse that knocked them out of the playoffs last year. And guess what? Guess what? That's so much worse. That is so much worse. At least that is just like an effort play. This is the antithesis of it. This is just a guy falling asleep out there. And is it to say he doesn't care? No, but you got to be more locked in than that. You have to be. Also, we always talk about veteran experience and moments. And I don't know how much this wormed its way into Blue Jays world, but this was all Correa. Apparently he went up to Sonny Gray and he said, there's no way the runners are locked in. Why is that not causing you to lock in? If Correa and Sonny Gray having a conversation pay attention to it it is mind-boggling that you kill that rally in that spot and to your point take the bat out of the hands of the guy who you are running mates with here we talk about the team and it's about the team and it's about the team this team's gonna go how those two guys go and for you to be in a spot to put him in a position to succeed in the way you did by earning the walk and then to take it out of his hands by just flat out falling asleep, that's unexcusable. I I wish there was another slant, another way I could look at it. It's just unacceptable. Yeah, the idea that, okay, Carlos Correa made a nice play, and Sonny Gray made a nice throw to second base. The idea that, you know, this was some some great devised scheme. No, it's literally just these guys aren't paying attention. Yeah, and that, oh, man, I love it. From the twin side of things, I, I I understand like trying to play that up, and, of course. and it, it also should be noted the last time a base runner was picked off second base in a postseason game was 2017. Um, it was Ronald Torres of the New York Yankees playing shortstop during that play. Also, Carlos Correa, his so, specialty. Who knew? I mean, that was six years ago. Again, <laughs> this doesn't happen. It does. It does not happen. Getting picked off second base, and especially when the stakes are this high, was six. Freaking years ago, the last time it happened in a postseason game. Um, so I get it. Yeah, like, hey, that, that was a smart play. It was a great throw, great tag. Um, and they got him by a hair, kind of. But, like, I, in the moment, I was like, ooh, could that be overturned? You look yeah. at the replay. Like, they, it's not even, like, there wasn't enough to overturn it. They clearly got Vladimir Guerrero Jr. off second base. But the idea that, hey, it's so loud in here. And and you know what? They can't hear Luis Rivera, so we're going to take advantage of that. Yeah, they don't listen it's to him anyway. It's the so. playoffs. It's I, I, <laughs> unless you're playing in Tampa, and and thank goodness for Major League Baseball, nobody is anymore. Yeah, R.I.P. As, yeah. as they get swept out of the playoffs by uh, the Texas Rangers, unless you're playing at Tropicana Field, they're all loud. Mm-hmm. That's the nature of the postseason. You, you're you're not listening for Luis Rivera to say, "Hey, get back." And I understand also from Vladimir Guerrero Jr.'s perspective that you do want to have, like, the, it, getting a lead mm-hmm. and being able to score on a base hit from second base, super important in that situation. You know what's more important? Not getting yeah. picked off. Being there, being available. Yeah. Yeah, I, it's... And in, we started the show today, and we started the show yesterday, honestly, talking about how these games, this series is emblematic of a Blue Jays team that underperformed, that frustrated over the course of 162 games. Yep. And it's the offense in general, and, and that's tough. And, like, it, I, can, I even make the point of, of, of talking differently about the Beau Bichette being gunned at, at the plate yesterday. Mm-hmm. And clearly the, the play that I'm talking about, oh, night and day, with Vladimir Guerrero Jr. yesterday. There's an effort thing 
with Bobochet. Like, there's no debate. Like, you can debate whether he should have done it or not, mm -hmm. but like the intentions are clear, and Bobochet is kind of locked. He's locked into the game yes. in that moment. And you know what? The offense, while they didn't score, and that's disappointing, and you can be mad at the players for not coming through, there's nothing wrong with the effort. Like, that's yeah. ultimately we're talking about in the case of Matt Chapman, a couple of swings of the bat that Guy's are five feet from being a hero combined five feet away from the blue Jays scoring more than one run scoring three runs yesterday and the two runs that would have tied the game today. So that like, well, you can be frustrated and there's clear reasons to be upset at that. That's kind of baseball. What we're talking about here has nothing to do with that. That is, you are right to get upset at what you saw yesterday with Vladimir Guerrero Jr. at second base. You're not, honestly, you can be upset, but you can't really, you can't point at somebody right. and blame them for not coming through with a base hit against a guy in Sonny Gray who's one of the best pitchers in the American League. Like, it, it can be frustrating, you can hate it, mm -hmm. and you can say, hey, we got to change the makeup of this baseball team because the offense wasn't there enough during the regular season. But ultimately, there's no, there's no effort problem. With with Sonny Gray making you hit into an out. No. What we saw yesterday in the top of the fifth inning is something entirely different and something that was supposed to be explicitly fixed mm -hmm. going into this season. And I tweeted out some of the headlines that we had before the year in February, in March, and John Schneider talking about the departure. This part wasn't explicit. This was implied. Mm -hmm with the, the trading away of Teoscar Hernandez and Lourdes Gurriel Jr., that this is going to be a more serious bunch. Mm -hmm. They're going to have attention to detail. They made the third most outs on the base pass yeah. in the American League during the course of the regular season in two playoff games. Mm -hmm. And now we're, we're looking at 0-6 for Vlad and Bo in the mm -hmm. postseason. In the two playoff games that they played this year, of which they won none, again, <laughs> they made two outs on the base paths. Again, different. The, yep. the, the, the very different. That, that Bo made yesterday, very different than the one that Vlad made today. But the idea that that hasn't not only not been cleaned up throughout the course of a regular season, kept going until the postseason, I don't know how you fix that. Because clearly it was something that John Schneider mm -hmm. talked about. Like, I believe him when he said, this is a point of emphasis. I don't know how many times you have to, to tell your players not to make outs on the bases before you realize, oh, you know what? That's just a part of your game. That's who you are. The worst part about it, or I don't know, maybe I won't say best, but maybe the easiest to point to with Vladdy is that that particular play right there, it leads itself to all of the criticisms that he gets fed on him, not just about his base running, but about his approach, that he at sometimes can feel not locked in, like it's all just going to come to him, like the game can be too easy. And hey, that's great when you're a generational talent. But I think that is the most frustrating part of it is that that moment right there is just such a perfect microcosm for all the criticisms we've had of Vlad pretty much since the almost MVP year. And it does make you question, again, these guys are not kids anymore. They might be young in terms of age, six times they played three different times they've played in a postseason series now and okay even if you want to throw out the Rays one 
That's still two different cracks at it and to not have anything to show for it. And, you know, this is a way, way smaller thing. And, you know, errors will happen from time to time. But Bichette also has an error in that game. And that is not, a you know, it's not as egregious. It's nowhere near the mistake that the base getting picked off at second is. But if we're going to talk about attention to detail, there's another moment there. And not just to put it all on Bo, Vlad could have come off the bag and not and, and not had held the stretch and kept the ball. He was able to get a glove on it. It's an error on somebody there. So just all the big moment is the moment at second base. But there were a lot of other little moments from last night that make you question the attention to detail too. If you're gonna if you're gonna be a mercurial player, if you're going to be a a um a player who maybe doesn't have the closest attention to detail that 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 plays the game in a silly fun manner and you know and I I shouldn't even talk about that because lots of players who appear to have fun on the baseball field um are also locked in yeah, and paying attention he's good yeah um if you're going to occasionally have a brain fart in pro sports you better be damn good and the guy that comes to mind for me is Manny Ramirez, who I, I think we can all agree whether he had a chemical aid or not, like was one of the most dominant right-handed totally. hit, uh, hitters that I've ever seen in my lifetime. And whether he gets into the Hall of Fame or not, obviously not because of the, not just cloud of, of accusation because he actually was suspended the, yeah. for- For the steroids. Uh, yeah. yeah, for performance-enhancing drugs. But that guy, yeah, he had some moments where he didn't seem like he was locked in. Who cares? He yeah. hit you 40 bombs. Yeah. He, he hit 320. He was massive what? bombs in the postseason. Yeah. If this is 2021, Vlad, that just had a 45 home run season, had an OPS over 1,000, honestly, it's not what you want. You'd, you'd like to have the whole package. Yes. <laughs> but you can you can absorb that a little bit more. This guy was like bottom half mm-hmm. of Major League Baseball first baseman in war. And... And to take the bat out of your best player's hand in the most crucial moment of the season, I it's, it's I can't get over it. You know who else can't get over it? And John Schneider last year was at the helm for his first postseason games as manager in the major leagues of baseball and, and for the only franchise he's ever known as a minor league catcher. And he was sitting in the dugout when he watched his team blow an 8-1 mm-hmm. lead in the postseason. He, I, I was surprised at how calm and cool and collected he was in his post-game media availabilities last season. It was a different dude this year. Here's John Schneider on on what he's seen on, on the base paths. Yeah, it's tough. You get arguably, you know, probably your best hitter at the plate. Um, Sonny's at the end of his pitch count, probably his last hitter. <clears throat> um, yeah, it's tough. It's tough, you know. Um, as much as we talk about it, you know, we've talked about it since February 14th. Um, I think that we can all look each other in the face and say collectively we fell short of executing what we wanted to do. So um, it's not for a lack of information or prep. Um, in that moment, that can't happen. Yeah, so what, what else is he supposed to do? Like what, what else is this organization supposed to do? I mean, they trade away guys that they think are part of the root problem. They make explicit the idea that we're going to play smarter baseball before the season even Take starts. Take away the jacket. It, it, you go through an entire regular season where you make a ton of outs on the base paths, and in the most crucial moment, you make outs. Like the, at that point, like at a certain point, you you just have to see what's being given to you and understand that okay, maybe not throw your hands up, 
but understand that that's that's part and parcel of of what you're getting. If this is the core of players mm-hmm. that you're expecting to win with, which is that opens up an entirely different can of worms that I'm I'm willing to get into later on in this program. Yeah, it's a real they are who we thought they were kind of moment. And honestly, I mean, we talk about the core. Like, look at all the guys who are free agents on this team. It's going to be a very different group. And obviously, the big, big conversations are around guys that are still under contract and team control and all that. But you're going to have another opportunity to kind of completely reset things. And I think it's going to be interesting is the understatement of the century to see the direction that this front office kind of takes, because there are going to be a lot of different ways you can go. Obviously the first sexy thing people are going to want is a power bat, but what we've known about this front office, I don't know that that's the first thing they're going to go do. So it'll be uh, really interesting to see. There's a lot to get to today. Okay. I, I understand why we're on the air for a bonus hour uh, on a day like today. We're, we're on until 10 o'clock uh, bringing you lots of, Great guess, um, and and we're going to continue to break down that game yesterday, the postseason as a whole, Blue Jays' season as it concludes yesterday in Minnesota, two nothing loss. Blue Jays, zero and two in the postseason this year, zero and two in the postseason last year, zero and two in the postseason in twenty twenty. More of the Fan Morning Show as we continue. Ben Ennis, Brent Gunning, Sportsnet five ninety, the Fan. In-depth Blue Jays coverage with an analytical twist. Jays Talk Plus with Blake Murphy. Be sure to subscribe and download Jays Talk on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Sounded question mark. I am here. I am, in fact, here. It was like, Brent Gunning? No, I'm here. No. I know you've been in a hot lather of rage that is a unique emotion for you. So I I would understand if you just forgot. Yeah, I don't feel like you get, you get like, I feel like faked work up about things like, ah, but actual, like, I saw the, like, the pupils. They were dilating. You were getting fired up. I loved it personally. Yeah. uh, I don't like to get upset. Well, I don't like to get upset and of sentence, period. Oh, not me. I I just, again, we're still, you know, learning about each other here. I love a good lather. Working myself into a good hot lather about something, oh, it's the best. I, I like to be righteously indignant. Like, I like, <laughs> I, I, I like to yell at people when they've aggrieved me in mm. some real way. Okay. I don't like to get mad at professional athletes who don't come through and, and don't perform the way I want them to or okay. expect them to or have. Like, you can be mad at Matt Chapman for going one for 13 with the bases loaded this season, including eight strikeouts and the one coming oh. on the very first opportunity he had this season with the bases loaded in April where he mm-hmm. hit a grand slam. Oh, yeah. And then going over. 12 the rest of the way and the Blue Jays hitting as a team having an OPS of 598 with the bases loaded this season yeah you can get mad at that I don't know what that accomplishes and it's not like the Blue Jays were attempting to to mm-hmm. to hit as poorly as they did with runners in scoring position as ended up pre- presenting itself um but yeah that that that's just hey you 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 did your best you failed your job was not to fail you, you clearly underperformed expectations. 
It's so different <laughs> when something as controllable as not getting picked off second base can be the differentiating factor between a postseason victory and a postseason loss. And for Bo Bichette, too. And I know Bo and, and Vlad are tied, right? Mm -hmm. Coming up together, teammates oh, yeah. throughout the course of their minor league career. And even in that game, they're showing clips of those two guys having conversations, sharing information on what they're seeing from Sonny Gray. Vlad, he's doing the chill out well, at second and, base. And even in the moment where he's picked off in the fifth inning, that's why, that's part of it. He's, he's looking at the guy at the plate who's... <laughs> Who's performed better than him in the postseason, but hasn't been quite up to his Bo Bichettean regular nope. season standards. In that game, he had a couple of hits, though. Yes, he did. Two for two at that moment. Going into that plate appearance. But he also now wears the 0 for 6 uh, collar in the postseason. In that moment, yeah, you're trying to cheer on your team. How must Bo Bichette be feeling, not just today, but in that moment where he's battled against Sonny Gray with an ERA under three, in a, in a crucial moment, the most important moment in his career to that point, a chance to, to have an indelible moment mm -hmm. in Blue Jays' recent postseason history, taken out of that moment because of something that you can't control. I, he was, he was uh, I guess, not totally apoplectic at the end of the game. Like he did talk, Bo talked about, hey, top down, we got to mm -hmm. reevaluate this organization, this team, and what we're doing going forward, which I think a lot of people took to mean, hey, we got to look at like the people running the show here. Mm -hmm. I think that's just a, hey, things went so wrong this year, we have to look at everything, which yep. I think everybody agrees with. Duh. But for him not to come out and say, I can't believe what that guy did in that moment would have taken all of the I don't have that type of strength. Like I couldn't have done it. I I I I I don't know if I could have spoken to the assembled masses in that moment. I would have been so frustrated. Yeah, I think Bo just kind of remembering some of his past comments. It feels like he has been a guy who has been unshy to say what he thinks, but he has also been somebody who has kind of bided his time until the right time to speak his mind. If you remember the changes around Charlie Montoyo, he was one of the first guys to come out and say, yeah, I do think we needed a new voice. Like, he was not shy about that, but obviously he wasn't going to come out and say that publicly Well, Charlie Montoyo is still his manager, and that's why maybe you understand where I'm going here, so long as him and Vladdy are going to be tied at the hip. And mm. as much as it's very much on the table that one of those guys gets traded this offseason, I think it's far from a certainty. I, I'd even go as far as to say I don't think it's likely. Oh, yeah, it's definitely not likely. So then the idea of... You know, it's a very fine line to walk to talk about how frustrated you are in that moment without pointing the finger directly at that guy. And, you know, if this is a Whit Merrifield situation where he's off to another team next year, maybe those criticisms are much more pointed. But these guys are tied at the hip until they're not. And I think that's why he was able to uh, restrain himself in that way. And the other the other part of it, I know Bo Bichette doesn't think this way because you don't get to be to the place he is where he's at. But also, I know we're very mad at Vladdy and we shouldn't stop being that, but, you know, it is baseball. He was two for two against a pitcher who, albeit was struggling to a certain extent that day. The rule, the law of averages says that he was probably going to make it out there and the inning was going to end anyways. Like I, I, that's how I look at that. Now, I'm not what? saying he thinks that way. It is a, he has already got two knocks off of gray in that game. It is a guy who is at the end of his rope. Yes. But he was, you see the way he was still battling in that. I think there's probably, he's never going to admit it. He's never going to say it. There's a little piece of Bichette. It is the law of averages of baseball. If you get on base one out of there, every three I, times, you're Brent, a legend. Brent, 
I can tell you 100% there's not one iota of what you're saying that Bobachet was thinking okay. in that moment. All right, that's Like, fair. not even Okay, okay. he's bit. not thinking it, but I can think it, yes, and it's true. Sure, sure. I, I think he's thinking, I've been the best hitter in the American League over the last three years. I've already got two hits. Like, I'm hot right now. I've a, I'm a guy that's had multiple four-hit games this season. I'm going to come through in this moment. And this guy robbed me of that opportunity. So you can talk about Jose Barrios being robbed of an opportunity mm-hmm. to go deep in the baseball game, which is true. I mean, also for reasons that were outside of his control. But yeah, I think Bobichet has this, the same gripe. And you're right to, to talk about him having to go back into a, mm-hmm. a clubhouse in February with a guy that just cost him that opportunity and and not wanting to throw him overboard. Whit Merrifield has no such qualms. <laughs> Whit Merrifield is going to be somewhere else. He's going to be applying his trade somewhere else with somebody different than the Toronto Blue Jays. I would assume, I mean, he's a free agent. They can bring him back. Hard to imagine they do with the, the the backup options that exist in Santiago Espen also being on this team and David Schneider maybe, you know, breaks camp with this this Blue Jays team to, to start next season. He was asked about the removal of Jose Barrios in the fourth inning despite him looking as good as he did. He said, I hated it, frankly. <laughs> it's not what costs us the game. But it's the kind of baseball decisions we are taking away from managers in baseball at this stage of the game. So that's that's the point, right? Like, he hated it. Mm-hmm. I hated it. Everybody hated it. Analytics people hated it too, right? Like, yes. there's there's not there's not people that are that have a number slant who live and die with numbers who know every advanced statistic and and like the formulas that go into creating those statistics that are. We're talking in the moment or today or going forward about how that decision necessarily makes sense. Like the argument is, yes, get the lefties out of the game or have a favorable mm-hmm. platoon advantage with a good pitcher that you're pretty confident is is going to shut down the opposition. You say Kikuchi had a good season mm-hmm. and you were happy to have him in the rotation. He's not that. Hasn't been that as a reliever throughout the course of his uh, major league career. Hasn't been that since the calendar flipped to September. Mm-hmm. So... I, I just, I do not, for the life of me, fully understand the argument for John Schneider did his best to defend it yesterday. Ish. He, you could tell that he didn't fully believe in it either. We're going to have a moment here in the coming days, and I, maybe it's as soon as tomorrow, honestly, where the Blue Jays have locker clean-out day. Mm. And Ross Atkins and maybe Mark Shapiro are going to speak to everything that happened this year. And they're going to have to speak to the role the analytics department has in in-game management and how much autonomy John Schneider has. And it'll be interesting to hear whether they take responsibility for a decision like we saw yesterday with Jose Barrios or whether they do <laughs> what they did to Charlie Montoya when he didn't play Vladimir Guerrero Jr. on Victoria Day and say, like, hey, he's the manager. He's got he's to be well aware of, you know, hey, things happen and we have plans, but, like, sometimes... When you're watching Jose Barrios dominate, you, you got to go away from the... It'll be really interesting yes, to see how that's messaged. Yeah, and uh, hey, Charlie just didn't know about Queen Victoria. And we all we all live and learn. That wasn't the problem. I'm dying to see that presser. And yeah, I think they're those two guys are going to wear it. Schneider wore it to a certain extent. But there is a large group of nameless, faceless people who will never know who had a big, big hand in that conversation. And those are the people I think everyone's actually dying to hear from, but you never will. And I think that's the frustrating part about all this. All right. We'll, we'll get back into this thing. Uh, after the break, we'll, we'll, we'll talk 
more about the in-game decision-making from that game yesterday. We'll also talk about the off-season that is now upon us. And you mentioned the possibility of a major piece being shipped out of town. How likely is that? We'll talk about that and a whole lot more as the Fan Morning Show continues. Ben Ennis, Brent Gunning, Sportsnet 590, The Fan.